Welcome to Dentology, the Business of Dentistry podcast. In this podcast, we delve into the non-clinical aspects of dentistry with inspirational guests from across the profession. You will hear incredible life stories, pick up valuable business tips and be entertained. I'm Andy Acton and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Drevens. What a brilliant conversation. It was great, wasn't it? I mean, it was a, um, I think what they call a wide-ranging conversation. Oh, we covered so I think for me... Um, that whole pay it forward attitude oh, is so strong. And it brilliant. started right from the very beginning when she made that that phone call. Yeah. She made a phone call and it took her life on a completely different course. Yeah. She held onto that envelope and she made a phone call. Yeah. And, and if you believed in higher power, there's a higher power. Mm, but I, what a what a path and what a journey she's had following that. What I thought was that one thing that is an interesting one was uh, self-belief, lost self-belief regain self-belief mm. and and uh, I, you know she doesn't know but it would be interesting to uh, what's that yeah. what does that happen mm. with a lot of people and i'm sure it must mm. do and what is that is that an external or an internal thing yeah i, I don't know but, but also it's, it's obviously filtered through to her feeling this desertion this desire to empower other people yeah you know, the work she does yeah. with kids and with associates who are thinking about setting up a practice and her desire to share that knowledge is she's so is, accessible is yeah so accessible. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely fabulous. Brilliant. Um, if you like this, then you'd be very, very welcome to subscribe. Uh, we release new episodes at seven o'clock every Monday morning. Yeah. So that'd be marvellous. Thank you. Thank you. Yet again, yet again, another new guest. I'm so excited. So excited. I love these things. They are brilliant. It's like chatting to people in the pub or the cafe, depending think, on whether you drink or not. I think it's life stories are the thing that get me. I think people quite often go, oh, nothing interesting to say. Really All people are interested. Yeah, definitely. If you ask enough questions and shut up, then it's amazing what people will just tell us about themselves. And that's the really interesting thing, is it? It's not yeah. dentistry. It's the... The people the behind the businesses or yeah. behind what they do. That's what's fascinating to well, us. Let's introduce our next guest and then we can shut up. We can. So today, ladies and gentlemen, we are so fortunate we have Shabnam Zay join us. And Shabnam is a dentist, but also the co-founder with Nikita Meta of West House Dental, mm-hmm. a private squat practice in Pinner, Middlesex. Welcome, Shabnam. How are you? I'm yeah, really hello. well. I'm really well. How are you guys? We're we good. are very We're good. good. Thank you very we much. Are. Even though the weather's a bit pants at the moment, but... So uh, we're looking out, you see, we look out from our podcast office onto poor weather. Yes, but it's a great, it's a great day for us when we do this. Yeah, we're just saying about people are interesting, and I think dentists and dentistry is such a innovative, forward-thinking profession. There's just endless people who are just doing bright, exciting, innovative things, and you firmly fall into that that category. I'm going to find out about your yeah. your career and your practice. Well, well Andy, it's interesting you say that because one of the things people ask me, why do you like being a dentist? And whilst I enjoy the clinical side of it, it's actually my patients that I love the most. Um, yeah. Getting to know them, and I've been in one practice for 20 years, and being part of their life, hearing their stories, just it's almost, it's amazing. It's an amazing opportunity to be part of someone's mm, life. Mm, mm. I, I think... Talking and working, what yeah. an ideal combo. But I think at a deep level, we as humans, we love connections, community, and, and I think we do form in tribes. And I think tribes can be lots of different things. And I think working with patients over, you know, decades and, and getting to know stuff, them. It? Yeah, it's nice. 
So let's go right back to the beginning. Um, what was your childhood like? You know, where did you get brought up? Siblings, parents? I, I always think it really gives a good insight as to kind of mm. what you've become, if we understand a little bit about your your, your beginnings. Was it round Pinner? Yes. Or was it, it wasn't. It wasn't. So I'm a <laughs> London girl, a West London girl. I was born and brought up in Ealing, um, oh, okay. and um, yeah, had a great childhood. Really, really had fun. When I was nine, I um, I remember this day. I went to the park with my friends. My mum and dad went to a wedding, and I was at the park, and I was on a seesaw, and they gave me the bumps, and unfortunately, they bumped me a bit too hard. I flipped. And I actually broke my front two teeth. So ah. at the age of nine, I, I was that child that had the trauma. Yeah. So oh. uh, going back, maybe that's why I did dentistry. You never know. And um, that was quite a traumatic experience. But I had an amazing mm. dentist who fixed my smile. A few months after that, sadly, my dad passed away. Um, oh, so I was dear. pretty much brought up by my mum. And I've got an older brother. Um, he was always a bit of a car fanatic, um, so I know a lot about cars. <laughs> and, uh, when it comes to my household, um, I'm the one that changes the oil and fixes the car and sorts of stuff. Oh, wow, brilliant. And, uh, I'm very, very hands-on. And um, as a child, we were, you know, we had a simple life, so I kind of helped my mum decorate the house. I wallpapered. I fixed the plumbing. I'm very, I realised from a young age I like fixing things. Mm. Um, was, was that was that also impacted by the loss of your father at a young age as well? Did you kind of have to grow up a bit quicker than you might have? Um, I don't know, actually. I'm not sure. So my mum and dad always did things themselves. I think when my dad moved to the country, they, they lived in, they were born in India. They grew up in Yemen. Uh, they got married oh. to Africa. My brother was born in Zambia and then they moved Flip. to England. And when my dad came to England, he um, he had quite a lot of money with him. He made a massive investment, probably equivalent to about a million pounds in today's terms. And he wow. lost it. Oh. He lost it. He got swindled. So then he went from having so much to having so little. So yeah. I remember having lodgers when I was younger mm. in the house and having That's to make do me. what we could. Yeah. And was uh, your father was your father self made as well? Did he make that money himself? Yeah. So he did lots of different jobs. Um, in he actually lived for a short while in Switzerland and was a uh, watchmaker. Um, and then when he was in Africa, he did. He was an accountant. When he wow, went, fascinating life. How did you get from an accountant to a watchmaker? Yeah. <laughs> so um, he he just did whatever he wanted, and wow. he learned German. It very yeah, very very. Um, it's an eclectic sort of mix. At that time, especially from our community, so he just always did things. And I remember my mum and dad building a wall in my back garden, and that wall is still there. And um, it's really wow. nice. I've always, I think we've always been a bit of a hands-on family. So well, anyway, yeah. I'm more interested in cars now. So so uh, <laughs> so have you? What have you got? Like a super nice car or no, like a sporty have, car or an old classic car? I've got a Honda Civic at the moment. But if you ask me about the mechanics, so my my brother, he's an engineer. He designs cars. He does wow. the chassis and the, he does all the AutoCAD designs. So I know a lot about the engineering side of things, which is... So uh, do you have an aspirational car that you would like? Yeah, I want one of those. I always wanted a Maserati, actually. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, had one of those. Very nice. <laughs> Breakdown, but apart from that, it's all right. <laughs> quite a few they're, times. They're not the most reliable. No, no. For, from, from what you said, it, it sounds like there's quite an entrepreneurial flair in your family. With you know your brother and there is Andy and, and, and at dad. the same time quite the opposite because mm. when my dad did pass away he didn't have a will 
Mm. So suddenly overnight, we couldn't even access um, the life insurance or policies that my dad did have. And um, wow. it was really hard for my mom at that time to manage everything on her own. And I think we all became a bit financially risk averse. We ended up saying right. more, being a bit more cautious, a bit more careful. So I've kind of always had this desire to own a business, but at the same time, I'm incredibly financially risk averse. I kind of wanted to do lots of things and tried, but didn't. Uh, right. And always held myself back a little bit. And when you say tried but didn't, did you kind of just not throw yourself into it completely? And can I also ask, what did you think about trying but not doing? So, for example, uh, buying a property, I looked at many properties. Um, what, as a buy-to-let sort of thing? As a buy-to-let, yeah, as an investment. And a house was pretty much too much for me. But my mum kept, Indians, we always say buy a house, buy a house, don't buy a flat. <laughs> and you get the freehold. <laughs> and um, so I'd get really far down the process. But then when it came to the very end, it never quite happened. I'd kind of do 80%, but never actually quite, quite do it. And I was a squirrel and I saved and saved and saved. And I had a massive deposit, uh, which I use now for my family home. So it has been invested. But when I think about now, at being a dentist for 20 years, if I had invested in 2007 in that house, you know, mm. my financial would it be worth would now? be very different now. Yeah. So it's very easy to look back and regret on things. And I, I tell people all the time, I only regret the things <laughs> I never did. So I think yeah, yeah, now, yeah. now I'm just like, go for it. It's <laughs> like Captain Hindsight. Yeah, Captain Hindsight's great. We can I all think, go back. Oh, well, if only I think we... hindsight's the foresight of the gobshite. So I wouldn't mm -hmm. duff yourself up over it because you can't. At that time, you made the right decision. I'd have never sold any of my houses. I'd have turned no. them all into buy-to-lets <clears> and I'd never sold any of my cars and I'd have kept them as classics. However, at that time, I yeah. didn't have the inspiration, the courage or the money. Yeah. And I think that's, that's it, isn't it? It just has to fall together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but as a profession, we nearly didn't get you, did we? Because you were on the, the cusp of studying chemistry at Imperial. Yeah. And then interesting, you say that um, it just didn't feel right. And, and that's obviously mm -hmm. a gut instinct. And are you, quite, are you quite led by your gut? Is that something that's quite strong in how you make decisions? Yeah, very much so. It's something that I've gone back to. I think it's something I had very strong when I was younger. Mm. And then in my 20s, I lost it slightly because I started listening more to other people, thinking I didn't know enough, I should listen to others, mm. I should get their advice. And I lost it a little bit. But now having my own practice, um, even when we were building the practice, there were so many decisions that the other people were advising us about. And Nikita and I just went, no, <laughs> we want to do it this way. Yeah. And we've just realized that when we are authentic to how we feel, we just get a much better outcome. Yes, if we mm. did it another way, we'd make it work, um, but it just works so much better. And mm. I I really didn't want to do dentistry. I never thought about becoming a dentist. I was actually a very average student. I was in grade three for maths, which nobody ever believes. Um, my maths teacher told me that I was stupid and I'd never do well. That's motivational, great yeah. teaching yeah. skill, that. Yeah. And she's <laughs> the one that actually gave me my GCSE results and I got an A. So uh, maybe that motivated <laughs> me. And um, and yeah, I didn't want to, I really love chemistry. Um, really, really loved it. Even now in my practice, I've got a mug with the periodic table on it. So it's still a passion of mine. And I did the open day. I did everything. I filled up my UCAS form. I was just about to post it. I was just about to post it. I was outside my school and it, the envelope in my hand, I was putting it through the letterbox. You got and that for close. for some reason, I couldn't let go and I took it back out again. 
Wow. And I did better than expected in my in my exams. And I thought actually maybe I could try and do something a bit different, something a bit try something that I didn't have the opportunity mm. to consider before. And I thought if I was going to be a chemist, um, most people thought I was going to be a teacher when I was younger. Um, but I'd probably go into research and create a new element called Shabnamium. <laughs> um, but that sounded quite lonely to me. And I'm quite a yeah. person. I thought, what could I do that's scientific and um, with people? And I looked through the UCAS book. There was this big, like, yellow pages. And yeah. I flipped through it. And I saw different professions. I never thought about being a doctor. And mm. I went to the payphone outside my school. And I rang my dentist up. Uh, I rang him and he kindly spoke to me and I just told him, I said, I'm really confused. I'm not sure what to do. And he said, look, are you free? Why don't you come over now? Wow. And I got the bus from Greenford to Ealing. I know in my school uniform and I went that to his clinic. And I stood in the corner and this lady came in and she had her hand over her mouth and she'd been crying. She'd fallen and broken her teeth. And then over the next hour... Which, which you I, know what that felt like as a young child yeah. as well. Yeah, and over the next hour, I saw him rebuild her smile and she left smiling. And I just went, can I come back next week? Um, and on the way home, I rewrote my personal statement. Flip. Wow, wow. Yeah. And it was funny because all my teachers <clears throat> told me not to apply. Mm. Because they it's a ballsy move, isn't it? I mean, you know, to, to just ring up. For mm. a start, hey, I'm going to ring the dentist. And then to get off your, what's it, to actually go to the place. Mm. And then also, it's a great thing that the dentist said, yeah, come and have a chat. I mean, it's what so many stars aligning sort so of many moment, things. I also love that, that thing you said about the courage of your convictions. And I think it's so easy to take advice from everybody, which means you then end up yeah. with a blended and confusing view of what to do. Whereas between you and the key to kind of having this view of this is what yeah. we're going to do and we're going to go for it. Okay. It may not be perfect, but it's going to be our way of doing things. Yeah. And I think in society, there's so many advisors and coaches and consultants. And I think in many ways, I think it almost confuses people yeah, yeah. as opposed to streamlines it. And I think to have that vision that you had to get you to where you wanted to be is great. But I find it fascinating that you were literally holding your, your envelope in, in the post yeah. box and, and, and you didn't <laughs> let go of it. Out again. Yeah. yeah, but that, yeah. that, but that gut instinct. And, and then obviously for somebody who lived in Ealing, you did the obvious thing and went to dental school in Newcastle. Mm. Which is quite yeah, a long way so from again, home, isn't I'm it? I'm a London girl. I'm a London yeah, girl. Yeah. I really wanted to stay in London. And my mm. dream was to stay in London. And the only reason I wrote Newcastle is because my dentist, who did, I did work experience with, went there. And his name's Subir Banerjee. I don't know if some of your listeners may know. Oh, him. wow. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, really Very well guy. known. Very and, well known. Yeah. Uh, so I just put it down for that reason, just to fill a space. <laughs> and I was really lucky. Um, I, I applied very late. I applied in December and all my teachers oh. told me not to bother, but I continued and I got four interviews and I got four offers. So I was in a really privileged position to have been offered all the London universities. Mm. And um, what defined it for me was when I went for my interview, um, I went and had the tour, I had the uh, conversation. My mum's got quite bad arthritis, so she can't really walk very much. So I left her in some common room and said, I'll be back in a couple of hours. <laughs> And when I came back to meet her, I was like, oh, I was telling her about everything. I said, oh, you won't guess what's on the fifth floor. And she's like, oh, the plastic heads. And I was like, how do you know there's plastic heads on the fifth floor? And she said, um, oh, I was sitting here. Some students saw me and asked me why I was here. And I explained I was waiting for you. So while I was here, they said, would you like to see the university? 
So they took oh, my wow. hobbling mum to the fifth oh, floor, wow. showed her the phantom headroom, brought her back down and gave her a cup of tea. And I went, this is my kind of place. Yeah, you're in, you're in the right place. Wow, that's if they're, amazing, if, if they're treating your mum like that. Wow. Yeah. And, what, and what was dental school like for you? Was it an enjoyable experience? Amazing, amazing. Um, it's such a good university in Newcastle. I had an amazing, mm. I had so much clinical experience. Uh, there was always opportunities to do more. So I left university feeling very, very confident in my clinical skills. Uh, I did an exchange in Helsinki for a semester. So oh, wow. in fourth year, I lived in Helsinki. And pretty much when wow. I arrived there, the dean of the dental school said, you're here to make friends and have fun. See you later. <laughs> oh, wow. And was he right? Was he it right? It made me realise that I could do dentistry anywhere in the world. Um, yeah. And that was, that was amazing. And then I also travelled around China, Tibet and Nepal, uh, did some dentistry over there, all while I was undergrad. So they gave yeah. us great opportunities. Mm. That is amazing. I think the remarkable wow. thing is, uh, I mean, you know, you, you you look incredibly young for your age, but the 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 time. No, 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 no. But you do. Twenty years. No, no. But that's the point. People, people, if they're watching this, won't believe that that you qualified so many years ago. That she's fifty-two. <laughs> but, but 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 the point is that you talk about. I got lots of really great clinical experience, and I came out feeling very competent. We talked to lots of younger dentists, and I think that's something that has definitely shifted over the years and people are now incredibly good at admin but perhaps don't necessarily get the, mm. the clinical experience that they have like, heard yeah. which is why when they go through their foundation year that's when they're really honing things that they've perhaps had the theory of or watched but not done with a drill in their hand yeah yeah i was a vt trainer for many years for therapists and dentists mm. and and yeah there is this um you, you need to be in a supportive environment in those first few years yeah, to yeah, get yeah. some confidence mm. but i think there is still opportunity um, I had some time when I was free, I'd speak to consultants saying, when you're doing this, can you call me? I, I actively looked out for those opportunities and tried to do extra things. I love um, the very relaxed sort of, you know, you've got this sort of, I'm not really an entrepreneur and uh, I'm sort of, you know, sort of laid back a bit. But the answer is I love it. The fact of you are, you know, even in the stories we've had, you're always putting yourself in a place which is almost of uncomfortableness, sort of almost mm. unconsciously uncomfortableness, you know, taking the letter out, ringing someone up, going yeah. to visit, Helsinki. replying late, yeah. go to Helsinki. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a, a brilliant story in the fact of, you yeah, know, it's, uh, it's just sort of like normal. It's, it's not normal. <laughs> From the people we've spoken to, I can tell you it's not normal. Shepard. No, not at all. Not at all. So you were an associate for a good number of years and then obviously this urge to set up a practice took over. Talk us through your, your kind of associate life up to that point when you, you decided that there was something more for you down the track. So I currently still work in my VT practice. It is my, I love it, it's my home. Um, it's my dream always to own this practice. And uh, when I started here, the principal said that in five years' time he was thinking about selling so that obviously was very interesting to me. Um, and it, it's a, such an ethical practice. Like for an NHS practice, I'd have half an hour checkups for adults. I had a 15-minute checkups for children. I, I didn't have any restrictions on how I could work clinically. Um, and it was all about doing the best thing for the patient. So clinically, I had a really great opportunity to, um, to build my clinical skills, like wet-handed dentistry. Mm -hmm. And it's a very high-need area. It's in Slough. So when I, when you, I, the mouths I get are very, very neglected. And um, five years came and went. Um, I really skilled up. Um, I had a friend who did VT with me. His name is Mahmoud Malji. 
and he mm. is very driven and he was like Shabs Shabs come on this course with me come on this course with me so he made me do Invisalign he made me go to Newton Farl and Sanjay Sethi we did Corai's implant course like we just did we skilled up very early mm. on we actually went to a study group called Dentology which is like yours uh, but on Harley <laughs> Street and I remember sitting there in Fazila Osborne Khan's practice looking at oh, her Fazila flip I'm a terrible dentist um, but it kind of put, made me realize how great dentistry can be and how beautiful mm. it can be um, and then 10 years later my principal still wasn't in a position to sell and he I asked if I could become a partner if I could um, you know transition into that and that what that opportunity wasn't there um, I then by this point I got married, I'd moved to Battersea, so I was living in South London, but commuting to Slough, and um, mm. I did an implant course with Corai, and uh, he kindly offered me a job <laughs> in Wimpole Street, so it was quite a, a extreme, so one, one minute I'm doing NHS checkups and exam patients, and the next day I'm charging £400 for an examination on Wimpole Street, so it was, but then I realised that the way I treat my patients is really much the same, Mm. Um, and so I always had this desire to have a practice, but I kind of just, I was always really risk averse, financially risk averse, mm. felt I wasn't, didn't have enough confidence. I wasn't going to be able to do it. And then what really changed was I had my daughter. I had my daughter. And when you have a child, you want your child to kind of live their dreams. You know, you kind of like, I want them to live their dreams. And I realized that I wasn't living my dream and mm. I wasn't being such a good role model for her. Uh, and at that particular time, I met Nikita and um, we started in, uh, investigating the idea of buying a dental practice. Um, and we looked for five years and you guys showed us so many wonderful places. But for whatever reason, over those it's five right years, right. it didn't work out. Mm, and we were quite limited. Yeah. <laughs> we were quite limited on our location and things like our budget. So we... We tried and tried and tried, and it just didn't happen. Mm. Uh, and all the while, we were still working as associates and enjoying our clinical life. And we knew that we were good associates. We built goodwill like, mm. in the practice. I'm just, in just, just, just in terms of timing, Shabna, when was this? What, what sort of time period are we talking about when so you I got together in the key to and started practice, looking for practices? Yeah, to buy a practice about <clears> 10 years ago. So 10 years right. after qualifying. Right, and then okay. we looked for five years. And then Nikita's husband said, why don't you build your own practice? And we're like, oh, we don't know how to build a practice. And he's <laughs> like, but you guys are like, you guys are quite, you know, good <laughs> at dentistry. I'm sure you can do a good job at running a business. I was like, okay. And he started looking for D1 planning permission, places with D1 planning permission. Mm. And I remember Nikita was nine months pregnant, first day of uh, maternity leave. She was due to have the baby on Thursday. And this is a Monday. And her husband rings her saying, can you go see this place? She really didn't want to go. And she walked up <laughs> the stairs uh, with her big tummy. And it was in a park, in a historic building, above a cafe. It was 1,200 square feet. It was perfect for a three-surgery practice. She took a video walking around and rang me straight away and said, this is it. And what do you do when you've got... Um, you know, four kids under four <laughs> between the two mm. of us and your dream practice comes up, you just kind of have to Go take it. it. So we did, we did, we went for it. And um, that's when I realized I didn't know anything about setting mm. up a practice. 
there was nothing out there at all. Uh, I went to the showcase and I remember just having this panicked list. Nikita had given birth the day before. <laughs> I'm at the showcase now trying to find a solicitor, um, trying to figure out how to get the loans, uh, an accountant, builders, equipment. I didn't even know what I needed to set up a practice. I hadn't even thought about compliance or CQC or anything. And um, it was really overwhelming and it was a really difficult process. And then what happened is we didn't get the lease. We didn't get the lease because someone outbid us by 15 grand. And um, I told Nikita, I said, I really felt like it was mine, like it was ours, like I felt it. Mm. And she said, by the end of this year, we're going to have a practice. And I thought it was just the hormones of having a baby, <laughs> you know, talking then. <laughs> and literally October that year, um, we called the agent up and he said, oh, you know that place you like? It's back on the market. And then we just jumped straight in. And by mm. that point, we had seen so many other places and realized how special Pinner, the park in Pinner was that we just, mm. we just mm. felt both feet in. No it's regret. interesting you, you, you say about your daughter. So up, up to that point, you'd perhaps passed over opportunities or not followed things through um, for not being entrepreneurial and quite risk averse. Was it quite a shocking moment when it dawned on you that you're going to need to start living the life you really want to live to show to your daughter what the the art of the possible is? Or was that something that kind of grew and built with you over a period of time? Because it, it, to, to buy practice is, is, is an incredible thing to do. To set a practice up from squat um, it's is challenging. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the realm of the few. Um, <coughs> you know, we talk to lots of people and it's mm. incredible how many people we talk to who think it's a really good idea but the amount that actually follow through and do it are mm. quite few. So for you to go from being somebody who's quite risk averse, you know, was <laughs> it the the support of having Nikita with you in that there was a partner? Um, you know, was it the support of your respective families? Was it the daughter? What, what, was it kind of, does it come down to one element or was there a change inside of you? Yeah, I think it was, it was a gradual change. Um, I generally lacked in self-belief um, and I didn't take financial risks. But I married well. <laughs> I have a great husband and he just, whenever I want to do anything, he's like, just go for it. And he just has so much faith in me that it kind of made me have a bit of faith in myself. <laughs> uh, and also Nikita, uh, Nikita gave me the confidence that like, she could see us doing this. And I trust her so much that I believed her. So in that moment, I didn't believe myself, but I believed that she believed in me, if that makes sense. It's, it's great, the all things for a purpose, isn't it? You know, mm. going back your all things for, you know, we talked about the envelope ringing up, blah, blah, blah. But also in a way, the fact that you saw it, excited about it, did all that prep about, actually you know panicking about not being able to find you know what do i need to do what do i need to do and then losing it but then reclaiming it in a way that that was so beneficial by the sounds of things because when it then really truly came you were a bit cooler about it because you'd already done probably quite a lot of the work to you weren't <laughs> freaking out quite as much does that make sense no, sort of... I, didn't, I didn't know what i didn't know so I, we kind of had mm. some stuff in place that we thought we might need but we literally didn't have a clue still mm. and actually, yeah I tell people the amount of hours I wasted. There's not one place you can go that tells you everything you need for a practice. Like to yeah. the point where how many trays do you buy? How many hand pieces do you need? Like mm. we had to think, there was a thing called decision fatigue. We just got so tired of making decisions because uh -huh. we just had yeah. to think all the time about every little thing. And um, 
now in retrospect, that is a, such a nicer, n- nicer way of approaching it. And I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anyone that had been through it. There were, I really wish I had someone that I could just mm. talk to. I suppose, I suppose thinking um, about the minutiae, isn't it? How many hand pieces do you need? Yeah, How many, many you know, I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought yeah. about it from that point of view because we talk to people, oh, you need to spend this much money, but that's the real practical bit, isn't it? Everyone asks, how long does it take to build? Yeah. Um, how much does it cost? Where do you get your equipment from? Who is your builders? They're the questions yeah. you ask, and actually, that's not really that important. That stuff will just happen. Yeah. It's all the other stuff that you don't know about, the values, the kind of practice you want to create, because those yeah. values and your vision is what creates your team. That defines who you recruit. That's the kind of services you provide. That dictates the location you pick. You know, that's actually the true um, mm. nub of actually designing a practice. Is and really did you do that thinking design. before? Because your 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 space and 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 for anybody listening to this, you should definitely jump on on the website. It's Westhouse Dental, the dental practice in Pinner, and look at the website. There's some beautiful pictures of of, of the setting. But had you done the thinking around what you wanted the culture, the values, the patient experience to be, and then this location fitted it, or did you see the location and just go, "We can turn this into something incredible"? Was it, you know, was it kind of chicken or egg? Um, so Nikita and I, when we were thinking of setting up a practice, um, mm. we had a cup of tea in Morrison's and we had a bit of paper, and we just wrote down a list of the things that we wanted from our practice. Mm. Um, and most of the things where we wanted to probably be at a three surgery practice because we didn't want to have a beast. We didn't want to chain mm-hmm. or a corporate. Um, we wanted it to be within half an hour from our home. We wanted it to be a private practice. We even divvied up what kind of treatments we do. So I do the dentures mm. and the root canals and she'd do the veneers. And we literally Brilliant. broke it down. I said, I'll do compliance. She said she'd do accounts. We really divided up the job. So before we'd even got into the whole process as a partnership, We'd mm. clarified and got a lot of transparency of what we were expecting from each other. And um, I am quite a calm person. I treat a lot of nervous patients. And um, yeah, the park really lends itself to mine mm. and Peter's temperament in the sense that we, Brilliant. it's a, like a really, our practice doesn't look like a dental practice. Everyone comes in saying it doesn't look like a dental practice. And yeah. that's actually what we want. That's the biggest compliment. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> you're coming to my home but we yeah. don't want to have like banners of invisalign and implants we just want our patients to feel comfortable we want them to feel calm we want them to feel looked after and to really give them that level of service that i like um you know people always say they want to treat their patients like their family i mm. actually do treat all my patients like their family um and now i've got the environment as well um so i'm really really mm. i pinch uh, myself uh, actually the, t- the amount of times andy i go into my practice and I walk in and I look around and I still can't believe it's mine. Lovely. <laughs> it always seems too good to be true. <laughs> out, out of interest, Shadron, did you, um, if you looked at your new patients, did you attract new patients to dentistry and patients from other practices or was it all really new patients to dentistry because of the location and the way you did it? Yeah, so initially with the squat, um, nobody knew me in Pinna. So in all my other jobs, I was chock-a-block, refusing new patients, I can't take any more on, I'm too booked, I can't see more. And then I'd open up my doors and I was happy if I had one patient a day. Um, and a lot of the patients I saw initially were emergencies. So they oh, were in pain okay. and they needed they needed help and then they became patients and then they started recommending and that's how it started. And also we relied really heavily on friends and family to support us at the beginning of any business. Um, but that only lasts for so long. 
Mm -hmm. um, for me, having patients recommend through word of mouth is definitely the best way of getting patients. Um, some of them were new. Some, like I had a patient the other day, he's not been to the dentist for 25 years. So he's not technically a new, new patient, but he's not been for a long, long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just seeing him when he left the appointment, like made me so happy because he was so fearful when he came in. And when he wow. left out, he said, I can't believe I was putting this off for so long. Mm. And like, I but took what a, a gift. Of- what a gift for you to have in terms of changing someone's yeah, yeah. view. Of, I was going to say, it sort of, of goes like. back to that first I think sometimes dentists do sort of forget, mm, yeah, the, incredible. you know, that, that first meeting with the dentist that you went and saw and woman had smashed her teeth, which was similar to yours. And you, he was able to restore her confidence and her smile. Mm. And I think, I, I don't know, but I sort of feel sometimes dentists do forget how flipping amazing yeah. what you do is and how you can truly change people's lives. Yeah. Um, both similar in the sense that we don't just fix teeth we're not one tooth dentistry we always look at the patient mm. and sometimes it can be giving them advice on their general life because <laughs> i end up coaching <laughs> a little bit uh, and even to the point where i had a patient who uh, was doing a degree in motorsports um and he was over here for a while and i was like oh i know a dentist that races um shiraz khan oh, shiraz I said, I introduce you to him and then the following weekend he was in Shir- with shiraz's team in the pit stops at brand hatch at, at a porsche um, oh, day so you know like and i always like trying to help my children get good work experience because where i work in slab particularly it's a very deprived area mm. a lot of the kids here haven't had anyone in their family that's even gone to university so when they're aspiring to do dentistry or things like that, they don't have any opportunities to do work experience. Or, mm. So like in this practice, I know we've probably got at least 200 kids into medicine and dentistry, and that's not including the other subjects. And then we do mock interviews. We help them write their personal wow. statement. Really? You know, wow. when you give someone that opportunity and then you see how it elevates the whole family. Yeah. But you're and a byproduct of that, aren't you? Later. You know, when Sabir, when you rang Sabir Banerjee and Sabir said, come down and see me, you're, yes. you're, uh, you know, we wouldn't have you in the profession possibly. You might have dropped that envelope in and you'd be doing chemistry at Imperial. You'd be mm. sitting in a lab somewhere coming up with shabniminium. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 but that's the truth, isn't it? You know, Sabir does that. And, and obviously it had such an impact on you and your life and your career and your family. What a lovely thing to mm. then pass that forward and pass that down yeah, to, like a to other people. Like a community yeah. hub almost. It's amazing. it's amazing honestly it's such a privilege to be able to do that and I was from I, I was from a single parent family mm. I had no family here that had been to university I didn't even prep for my first interview I remember I went to Queen Mary's and I totally fluffed the interview I just hadn't prepared even when they asked me why do you want to do dentistry I hadn't even prepared that answer well and I just came out being so disappointed in myself and I was very, very lucky that I had other interviews offered. But right. some people nowadays only get one interview. And if you mess it yeah. up, no, yeah. you really got to take the opportunity. So um, I actually still did. I got offered a place. I don't know how. I was going to say, <laughs> did you get offered a place? I was going to say, yeah. My interviews were so – maybe things have changed now. But even when I went to Manchester – so I love photography. My dad loved photography, so I love photography. I got a camera when I was nine, and I've always had a – I've had two things in my bag since childhood. One is a, a kite – and one is a camera because when, it, when the wind, wind's good, I want to fly a kite because I love flying a kite. And um, with photography, wow. I remember going to Manchester and when I arrived. It's random. I know, it's random, <laughs> random, yeah. My husband's like, why are we going to a park? I said, I want to fly my kite. And um, 
<laughs> I went to Manchester and I went to the interview and he said, oh, how was your journey? And I said, oh, it was really good. I wish I brought my camera. And he's like, why? And he's like, oh, you've got amazing red brick buildings here. This is before the IRA bomb. Mm. And I started explaining how I develop film in the darkroom and I do photographs. And then you hear this knock on the door and he just looked at me and he said, why do you want to do dentistry? And I went, and I just answered. We spent the entire interview talking about photography. Um, so, oh, wow. yeah, it's interesting how your passions can kind of mm. still yeah. enable you to get a place in dentistry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you've obviously done a, a lot uh, with your clinical career, moving around lots of different practices, exposure to a real kind of diverse range of patients from you know the deprived area of Slough to yeah, the very high-end fr- private West End. Um, moving away from that side of things onto the business side, you've obviously founded a, a dental practice. What's the myth that people don't know about setting up a dental practice? Yeah, everybody kind of sees the success you're having now, but but what's the thing that, that kind of you've taken from this process? What's the, the most it's easy, isn't it, thing? to set up a practice? Really, yeah. really easy. It, yeah. it, it, it's exactly. just everyone can do it. Now. But the thing so, is, people only get to see and hear about the successful ones. Definitely. But what is the what, what are the hard yards you have to go through to get to where you are? The hard yard. So you need to have a clear vision of what you're trying to achieve. Because when you've got a good purpose and you know what you're trying to achieve, it makes it much easier. Like I don't, it's incredibly hard work running a practice and opening mm. a squat just before Brexit and COVID was not great timing. Um, but we survived. And if anything, it's shown Nikita and I that we can pivot, that mm. if we can live through that, we can manage anything. Um, I've realized how adaptable I am, how calm I am. Like in a crisis, I'm incredibly calm. So I think being calm and making quick decisions. Uh, in the past, I used to dither and think and want to pick the best thing. And I just had to decide oh, that I okay, had to yeah, make a decision. Yeah. Need to commit. In business, if you take too long to just making no decision is going backwards. Even if you pick the wrong thing, it doesn't matter. But as long as you're kind of making decisions and moving forward. Um, Analysis, yeah, and paralysis. I think you need to have a bit of self-belief like in yourself. I don't know why I didn't have it because I'd had it before and I lost it at some point. Um, so really have a good community around you, good people, mentors mm. that you can lean on. Um, what else can you do to make a good practice? Be prepared. Like I, I show people how I did it um, because I wish I had someone to help me. Um, so mm. I'm always speaking to dentists all the time, uh, whether they want clinical advice or whether they want what courses should I go on from VTs mm. to more experienced. And um, I believe in the, in our dental community that we have so many amazing clinicians. We can help each other so much. And, and you know, you have this podcast, so you're educating and you're helping. And I think it comes in many different ways. Mm. There's not one, I can't think of one particular thing. I tell you what's interesting. Lots and lots be, of hard work. I wonder yeah. if you've ever tried to unpack it, but it's quite interesting. The um, the self belief thing. You had it, you lost it, you regained it. It would be interesting to know how you lost it. Do you know what I mean? Or how it sort of went and dissipated? Mm. Was it was it external or internal? Yeah, I, I'm not not asking for an answer, but I'm just saying it's a an interesting reflection as to whether. So I was really confident and believed in myself. Then somehow I forgot about that bit and then i've re i've regained it it's quite fascinating yeah. I think. Yeah, would you have do, do you think you would have done this on your own did, did you need nikita and did nikita need you for you to to make this fly is it something that you you would have got there on your own if you'd needed to i 
wouldn't have enjoyed it. <laughs> I probably could have. Like, yeah. realistically, I, I could have. I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. The shared really experience is quite powerful. Yeah, and also I work better with people. I know I know that about myself, and mm. I need someone to bounce ideas off. Um, and both Nikita and I bring different things to the partnership, and I quite like that she compliments me, but at the same time, our values are very, very aligned. Like, we are all about integrity, ethical dentistry, like our values are so aligned mm. our ethos is so strong that we knew no, no matter what happened to the practice we would always come up with kind of similar decisions because we were so aligned and we've also mm. made a plan for if we don't agree what to do then as well <laughs> it hasn't happened yet i think it's very important <clears throat> yeah and i think in partnerships of two i think you're right i think because as you said about decision making it's better to make a decision and be wrong and then change your decision than make no decision and i think in partnerships of two that can stymie things in that mm. it's easy to get to a point where you get a stalemate where you just don't yeah. make a decision and that's not good you know for either of the partners involved it's not good for the the, the business and, and for mm. the team as well it, 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 yeah. it, it can be quite a frustrating environment to work in so what's your process then if you get to a stalemate stalemate Fun. so we have our we have a team meeting with our other halves as well um and sometimes we have to just um do what's best for the practice we haven't had a i can't we haven't had a situation yet so um yeah i think what we both respect each other so much mm. that like i say we just have to make a decision sometimes mm. and it may not be 100 percent what i want 100 percent what she wants but for the best of the business and the partnership we would sometimes just make mm. a decision um, mm. but i'm really lucky because nikita's like my best friend and I'll be honest, I was a bit worried about going into business with her because I didn't want to spoil that friendship because mm -hmm. our families are so close. And I'm so, so lucky that it hasn't. If anything, it just makes going into work a bit more fun because uh, you just hang out with your best friend all the time. And there's tough mm -hmm. times that we, and she keeps me to account. Like she doesn't let me get away with stuff. But at the same time, she knows when I'm struggling and she will take some stuff off me and vice versa. Um, I'm a bit of a workaholic and the, like last year she just booked annual leave for me she's like you're making me feel guilty about taking holidays Brilliant. so she booked annual leave for me in my diary wow. so even if you just don't go anywhere just don't come to work we're not mm, going to mess have some time off. Have a week off yeah, yeah so she really looks after me that's great that's, that's really that's cool. very caring that's really that's cool. very caring and as a result of the process you've been through you now support other dentists looking to go through the process themselves isn't it because like you were saying yeah. about um you know how many hand pieces do you need you know those kind of small nitty-gritty things it's easy for everyone to say oh yeah it's all about location and you know find a builder and you're right sometimes bits. putting in place the building blocks isn't isn't that difficult it's often it's the glue it's the small bits in between mm. so how, how, what does that kind of look like in terms of your support to dentists yeah, so, you know, some people are naturally risk-averse. They don't like taking financial risks. Mm. They lack in self-belief. They wouldn't even think or try to think it's possible that they could build a practice. Mm. Um, but I want to – they just wouldn't even know where to start, which is how I was. But I want people to know that that was me. Yeah. That was me, and I am proof that it's possible. <laughs> so if I did it, anyone can do it. I really mean that. I'm just – I still, I still can't believe I've done it, but um, I really <laughs> wish I had someone to help and guide me. And basically anyone that I work with, I just promise to give them everything. So I give them my business plan. I show them my cash flow forecast. I've created checklists for everything, all the equipment I bought for the practice, 
And I also, um, like I'm doing, a, I'm doing a course at the moment, so I have an online course of how to set up your own dream practice. And mm. I have exercises to do while you're an associate, because I think you can learn so much from the current practices yeah. you're working in. Things yeah. that you just turn up and assume it's just working, but somebody's implemented that. That is a process and a protocol. And if you learn that then, and you have that information, it's so helpful. Like even how high your cabinetry is, like how high do you want the, your work surface to be? You can decide that and it's centimeters, but actually for your ergonomic, for your workflow, there must be a room in your clinic that you like working in. I remember getting asked how much distance do you want from the head of the chair to your cabinetry? And I was like, I don't know, <laughs> how much space do I need? And you know, you don't want to keep bumping into the cupboards and mm. there's all these little, little tiny questions that I got asked and I didn't know. And then Nikita and I both had to find out the answers whilst we're trying to get a loan, whilst we're trying to get builders, while we're trying to get the lease and while we're trying to negotiate the heads of terms, all this stuff. And then after all that, we still made massive blunders um, mm. with our lease, for example. We just jumped in both feet, as I told you. We just said, we'll take it, that price, we'll take it. And they said it was exclusive. I was like, Okay, that's just a marketing term to say it's special. And it wasn't. It meant that VAT wasn't included in the price. So when we actually got to oh, sign the contract, see. Right, right, the right, rent okay. didn't include VAT. So and then when we saw VAT. the figure, right. we were like, what's that? And they're like, oh, it's VAT, but you can claim that back. And I was like, no, we can't. We're medical. And they didn't know that. We didn't know that. And there were literally everything, keys in hand going, what are we going to do? Well, that's, and, that's a 20%, um, isn't it, right there? That's a massive yeah. miscalculation to make on your first day. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, so I tell people about all the mistakes we had, all the problems we had, all the things that they should check for early on to not waste their time. So sometimes, for example, if you need to do structural work to the building, get permission from the landlord early. If they say no, there's no point investigating that place for a, place for a yeah. dental practice because um, if they're not willing to give you more than five years on a lease, it's not worth proceeding with that because I remember mm. we had a bit of an issue with that as well. They only wanted to give us five years. I actually had to show them the loans and the paperwork. And I said, I'm spending hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't move this in five years because it's bespoke. Mm. Um, and it's not even what you see. It's all the internal connections and things. And, um, and yeah, then we were really lucky that we had an opportunity to speak to the landlords or the trust because mm. it's not owned by anyone. Yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, in the end, they gave us a 30-year lease. Oh, so, wow. Wow. Yeah. Makes your investment recoverable, then, yeah. doesn't it? Sure. Um, I'll tell you what would be really useful if you, perhaps you could send us a link. We'll drop that in the show notes for people that would want more details on that. Because yeah, for sure. many, it's, it's such a big... If me on Instagram, I've got like a five steps of how to set up a practice you know if someone doesn't want to if they're not ready to have it i don't even mind having a phone call i don't mind giving people advice because all my career people have helped me so i'm really open to kind of helping anyone anyway yeah. um, might so need to book it might need to set up a calendar yeah <laughs> <laughs> otherwise i've got a feeling you might be you might be overrun with lots of people it's a lovely approach no, though no, because in very early on for you as we as we've talked about you know there are certain people that kind of held their hand out to you i think it's lovely that you're now doing that based on your own experience with other people. Is that thing pay it back or pay it forward? Pay it forward. Or pay yeah, it forward? You're yeah. doing the same thing. Well, we have this thing about dentistry as an ecosystem. <coughs> it's all joined up, you know, and whilst we don't necessarily um, know the people that we're helping, if everybody keeps doing the right thing, it does make the profession stronger. And it is a great profession. And 
managed well, it is relatively low risk from a financial point mm. of view. It is relatively yeah. low risk, which is why the banks and others are so keen to support the profession because relative to other um, professions and <laughs> industries, it, it is very low risk. However, if someone's walked a path before you and somebody like you who share that information, there's a phrase, isn't there? Learn from your mistakes. And I think a much better one is learn mm. from somebody else's mistakes. Yeah, definitely. And that's what you're offering. I, you're I, saying, love, I love being a dentist. Like I really yeah. love being a dentist. I know I knew nothing about running a practice at all. Yeah. Like business side of dentistry just doesn't exist. Mm. Um, I have to say thanks to you guys actually, because one of the few bits of information we did find on the spot was a seminar that Nikita went to by Frank Taylor. And oh. it was like two sheets of A4. There was only about five points on it, but those five points were the things I ran to the showcase with. <laughs> so at least I had that. Phew, um, excellent. Um, <laughs> there we go. Look at that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, you, you get information from different ways and yeah, um, yeah you can definitely give back. It's always nice to. So, so just bring us up to date, just to, just to finish off, you're five years in. Um, <laughs> yes. Pages releases. Yeah, <laughs> are, are, are the three surges all up and running? <laughs> what sort of size team have you got? What are the services you offer your patients? Yeah, so we, we planned the practice to be three surges from the start, but we didn't install all three. Yep. We've got all the plumbing in. So we started with one chair. And uh, we wanted to, but then we also wanted the really nice chair and the really nice cabinetry. So we, we went for that. So we did one and then we installed the second chair during COVID. So despite having no income, we just pushed ahead and carried on with our project to grow. Um, so we're currently at two surgeries. Um, I have, we have three general dentists. I have uh, two, well, potentially two orthodontists, one's joining us. Uh, two hygienists, uh, someone that does oral surgery, someone that does root canal. So I've grown the practice to really serve my patients. And as I've been in the practice, I've realized what my patients need. And as I know what they need, I'm providing more of that care for them. And all kind of within the umbrella of mine and Nikita's ethos, um, which is really looking after the patient, not cutting corners and uh, giving them really, really good good, good service and a lovely patient journey. Mm. I, when people say they hate going to the dentist, it makes me even more determined to make them like it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that concept of extending your services based on patient need as well, rather than just kind of saying, we're now doing this, do you want one? Yeah, You're looking yeah. at what the needs of your patient are and then bringing in specialists and other services to make sure you can provide yeah. the broadest range yeah. of care. Makes sense. That's nice. it? it's yeah. And also we get an opportunity to mentor. So mm. I love mentoring. I've been a VT trainer. And so we get associates that want to grow and then we help them. And I'm teaching them the business skills that I wish I'd been taught early mm. on. And they mm. may not fully appreciate it while they're working with us, but I make them create open days. I make them do their own open day posters. I get them designing things, thinking about the wording on things and, you know, That's good. visiting other practices and they just will build that skill set. So hopefully when they get an opportunity, they'll be able to do it more confidently. Yeah. Mm. Like a little incubator. Yeah. yeah. I, I imagine you'll probably be losing some people in the future because you'll train them so well and they'll have such confidence. They'll go, fly, they'll go and fly have. for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've so many of my nurses have become dentists. Uh, hygienist so um, I never feel we should contain anyone when I see someone's got potential like I was a very average student and I just someone gave me an opportunity to to try and Mm. push me Um, I like to encourage people to try if they want I can't push someone that doesn't want to do it even if they are um, so I I do lose a lot of good nurses. In fact, I've got a nurse yeah. with me today, and I'm, she wants to be a therapist. And I'm like, why don't you just apply for dentistry? <laughs> <laughs> I need to do dentistry. So you know, making her dream a bit bigger because I think Some sometimes we don't think yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah, putting some wind under their wings. Yeah. Brilliant. Shabnam, it's been a fascinating story. I think I think your your energy is just so good. You like I say you're so enthusiastic about um, your own career, your practice, but the profession and uh, the profession is definitely better for you holding on to that envelope. I'm very grateful that you didn't let go of it and it drop into that post box. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we always finish up um, asking our guests the same two questions. And the first one we have for you is if you could be the fly on the wall somewhere in a certain situation, where would that be and who'd be there? Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. So I, um, when I was younger, I'd look at very successful people and think they're special, they're successful. I'm not them. And as I got older, what I realized is they're just normal, they're just normal people that have just mm. had opportunities. Um, but what they've done is they've become successful. Uh, so I was thinking who I could speak to. I was thinking maybe someone like Oprah Winfrey, who mm. early on in her career, when she got rejection and was told she wasn't going to amount to much, <laughs> I would love to have been in that conversation to see how she responded to that mm-hmm. and also what she did straight after. Um, mm. You know, how people pick themselves up after that kind of rejection and failure and that kind of confrontation. Uh, yeah. I'd love to see how, how she managed that. And I, I guess because Sunday Art Opera has been so phenomenally successful queen you know we've only ever seen just different levels of success even from the earliest days when she came on our radar she was still incredibly successful but yeah that would be fascinating to go right back to the very beginning because everybody suffers with rejection of of some sort or other in the early days and if you could meet somebody sit down with a glass of wine or a cup of coffee (laughs) uh, perhaps in the cafe below your practice and looking over the (laughs) memorial park who would you like to um, who would you like to meet? So I'm going to be really selfish and I'm, I'm going to say my dad. So he passed away when I was nine. And yeah. uh, while I can remember his laugh, I can't actually remember his voice. And right. I'd love to hear his stories from his mouth. So I'd actually oh. be my dad. Yeah, well, it sounds like he had a fascinating life himself. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, like accountant to watchmaker in Switzerland. Yeah, what yeah. about? I it sounds like that. a real character. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that would be um, that would be a very sweet moment. And building their own brick wall. Yes. Yes. Yeah, a bit of a builder. Shabna, thank you so much. Um, you're you're not short of you're not short of demands on your time with with all the things that you've got going. But I genuinely feel that that um, dentists, young and old, are going to take a lot from this. I think for people who are thinking about setting up a practice, um, I strongly recommend they reach out to you. You know, it Definitely. sounds like you're so open in terms of the support you're offering. But just your story for people who are partly on that journey. Um, they're going to take a, a, a lot of confidence that you know you can do it. It yeah. does work out. Just keep pushing. Yeah. You will get there. And you might not feel you can. I think yes. That's quite cool. Yeah. I'm going to say just uh, on today's weather, be careful with your kite flying. Yes. Yes, it's not kite flying weather today. No, it's, in but it's pouring down. In a park. It's pouring down, yeah. <laughs> windy, though. It's nicely it windy. Is. Yeah, why is it windy? <laughs> Lovely to have you. Thank you very much indeed for your time today. Really, really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, wish you wish you all the best and hope to see you soon. Yeah, thank you very much. It was really interesting. Thank you. Come Cheers. to the practice. I'll take you Yes, off. come and have a look. Yeah, come yes. have a look. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Keep well. Bye. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dentology, where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram.